Welcome in to episode 44 of The Bluest Tape. I'm Harvey Couch alongside... Jeff Kolak. And thanks for joining us as we take our weekly trip through the live catalog of Widespread Panic. If this is your first time here, welcome. If you're a return listener, thanks for coming back. Um, it is uh, Super Bowl week, Jeff, and I just realized that we should have done like a Super Bowl show, but I guess we're we're protesting the NFL. Is that or is that a thing still? Or we've moved on as a nation. I've I've decided uh, an NFL boycott, and I'm all in on the XFL. <laughs> In 2020, so all I'm going to do is watch XFL reruns next uh, next NFL season. So I'll run out after a little while, but uh, you know it's really where it's going to be. It's going to be fast paced. It's going to be family friendly. It's going to be all the things that the NFL isn't, and uh, you know, and with a genius like Vince McMahon behind it, it, it can't fail twice, can it? I feel like like things like that. I mean, we see headlines all the time that sort of you know blow your mind or whatever but that one honestly it felt like maybe there was a glitch in the matrix or something like <laughs> that that just doesn't seem like reasonable it's just like somebody forgot to reset something and it just came back through oh, well God, in, in this in this day and age harvey every day can feel like there's a glitch in the matrix <laughs> and that one is actually a harmless one so uh, and i know we said we wouldn't talk about politics yes, so we uh, we're all done but, uh, we won't. but uh, well, no, but I, I'm gonna—I'll boycott the NFL because of you know, because I'm not a fan of head trauma. But, um, <laughs> Good do, reason. Do we? Uh, <clears throat> should we like? Should we make picks? Do you want to do that? Do you want to do that now? Do you want to do that later? Or do you just not want to? You want to pretend like it's not happening? No, we can make picks. I mean, it's—I—I I, I can't pick against New England. Yeah. I think I'll—you know—it's just like every year I feel like the the pundits talk themselves into picking against new england for some reason or another and they've fallen in love with nick Foles again but what they fail to realize is that he's nick Foles, like he had like two good games so and then of course it's like well this just shows that carson carson Wentz maybe isn't as good as what we thought it's like whatever you need to do to help you with this narrative it's still nick Foles. it's still tom brady yes the eagles will probably score first they'll probably take a lead but just like watching Alabama football, New England Patriots football is the same thing. It's like oh. it's like the giant ball in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's going to come flying at you at some point in time. It's just a matter of if you can get out of the way or not, and most teams can't. They just get run over by it. It's, it's, but at least in, in this case, it's like slow-moving doom. Like You just know it's coming. Total, and, uh, pure inevitability. Pure inevitability. It just doesn't matter. And uh, so I'll go Patriots. I'll go Patriots close, and I'll go Patriots coming from behind. You know, I'll go 30, 31-27. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm with you on the uh, – I can't pick against the Patriots. And I think it's – I don't think it'll be that close maybe in the first half, but I think they pull away. So um, I'll say 35-20. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the Jacksonville game was deceptively – was a little closer than what it probably – was i think jacksonville probably stunned him a little bit early and Mm -hmm. knocking gronk out probably forestalled the comeback maybe a little bit longer than what it was um or or, but you know it's still the patriots i'll still watch it i'll still complain that they get calls which they will and uh you know it's just it is what it is do you think the like concussion protocol testing for gronkowski is different than for 
for normal people? Like, <laughs> probably, probably so. The different do levels, they even, you know. Do they even? I think I think it changes not just on who you are. I think it changes on if you're a star or not. Clearly, mm, right? You know, with okay. Newton and, okay, and Russell Newton, Wilson. Sure. I mean, it's just they they go throw you into the tent and like they shine a light. They probably turn the flashlight on, but they probably shine it against the wall and like. <laughs> We turned the light on. He didn't look at it. And then to send it back out. So, yeah, it's just, it's goofy. They're never going to get serious about it. And it's, which is, it's going to take somebody getting really hurt to probably, to maybe change something. But, you know, I've said that for years. Um, no, and that's the problem. It's not even, it's not a, there's not going to be some acute injury that's going to cause everybody to change. I mean, the problem is that it's like an ongoing thing that happens after people retire and, you know, it's a long-term like brain disease type stuff. So I don't know. We're, we are way out in left field right now, <laughs> but let's bring it just to bring it back in a little bit here. Um, how about, uh, or do you do Super Bowl parties? Do you have a, do you have a dish that you like a signature dish that maybe that, 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 uh, that you guys whip up for, for Super Bowl Sunday? I don't know. We're going to a party. I think we're going to a party. I think we got invited to one. I have not yet been told what I need to make. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you don't have yeah. something like, oh, this is what I'm, I mean, this is what I'm bringing. Cause this is what, this is my thing. Sort of since we moved to Memphis, one of the things I brought a lot, I bring flatbreads a lot. Um, and I don't know if they're, easy, they're relatively easy for me to make, but mm-hmm. people get really impressed when you bring stuff to a party that you have to prepare at the party. Mm. as opposed to like bringing it already made right so i don't know if we'll do that because there'll probably be too many people so i don't know i'll give it some thought you know i guess i could find out <clears throat> if nobody's bringing rotel maybe i'll bring rotel because i do love rotel at the super bowl it's like the only time all year when i'll eat it so. just like a can of rotel or do you no, no, no. Rotel with cheese with, and... yeah with cheese rotel okay. and how about you do you have a go-to um i like a good uh like uh cheese dip like with maybe with some ground beef and rotel you know like a like a beefy cheese dip uh in the crock pot that you can you know yeah it's a mobile um that'd probably be probably be my my thing um yeah i mean that's what i would make sans the meat right so yes and i could uh i won't tell the whole story because uh, we hadn't already talked about the nfl i tell my favorite super bowl party story of all time which does involve rotel and a to be unnamed friend of mine watching the Packers lose the Super Bowl in 1998. Um, I just remember, I remember three things from that night. One, we got like 10 inches of snow. Two, I had Rotel. And three, my friend drank so much point special that he got so drunk he punched the floor after that last Broncos touchdown and his hand swelled up to like double the size. So, um, But I always like that story simply because it made me realize it's not worth getting that mad about sports. Right. <laughs> you can't yeah. hurt yourself. Kids. <laughs> um, well, this leads me, this whole conversation leads me into my, uh, my weekly, um, pop culture recommendation. And this is, uh, this is both new and old. Uh, it's something that has been, I guess it's been going on for 50 or so years, but it is a tradition for me around this time every year. And that is to watch all of the NFL films, Super Bowl highlight films. Are you familiar with these? Oh yeah. John Facenda. Yeah. Right. The autumn wind is a pirate. 
blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten. He wears a hooded sash with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. They're like 30 minute, if you're not familiar with them, and I'm and I should have probably looked up to see. I'm sure it's on NFL Network this week. I watched it uh, this past weekend. I'm sure it's on again leading up to the Super Bowl. But um, they do. It's like a 30 minute film for every Super Bowl to you know up through last year's, and they do. It's all with the NFL films, you know, sideline cameras and the voiceovers and the the players and coaches are mic'd, and um, it was just something that like as a as an adolescent I just used to like when I first really got into football and like sports in general that I just just lap that stuff up like I mean the first Super Bowl I can remember really being into was Super Bowl 19 it was 1985 and I can remember just watching these NFL films like of the first 19, 18 Super Bowls just like just as much as I could just all of those moments because it seemed like it was just such a big thing you know like bigger than um bigger than anything else just being the super bowl and uh, and the fact that they had only been i mean now that there's been 50 of them it's you know it's more like just another game but back then there's just like a finite number of these super bowls and, um, but i still get into to watching them so that's my um if you if you haven't ever watched them i highly recommend i don't know that i have a favorite um i know that the the bears super bowl 20 was was pretty good um but the early ones are, are just great with uh, with facenda i think i mean they um the, i agree with you those things are incredible the music was amazing yeah right totally. um, it is amazing The ones I always remember, I can't remember which number it is, the Cowboys-Steelers one, maybe the first or the second one where Lynn Swan makes that amazing catch. Oh, right, yep. Um, You know, and I think what always always stand out is, like, they made everything so dramatic with the music, but, like, they slowed the film down Mm -hmm. so much that, Mm -hmm. like, everything was, like, this is super important. Right. This is like, I mean, it's like it was like fine art in a lot of ways. I mean, they're basically making art films. Yeah, it was. You know? fil- yeah, it was much more of like a film piece than yeah. like a highlight. You know, it wasn't like yeah, a exactly. highlight video of the game. It was like a presentation of uh, of that, you know, of that moment. And um, so yeah. I remember that Gary Apremian's botched field goal sure, against yeah. the uh, Redskins, Redskins, which is amazing, mm-hmm. and then. Jackie Smith dropping a surefire touchdown against the Steelers than the last time, last Super Bowl, I think they played against each other. Um, and that story always comes up because it's like, Jackie Smith, he's a Hall of Famer and he was sure-handed and he dropped the ball in like the biggest moment of the of his life and so on and so forth. But that one, I always remember they showed that one at like full speed all the time with like the actual announcers. And so I, and so like you felt like the pain the pain of that. Right. And I remember seeing it as a child and be like, God, that really sucks. 
for that guy. That's awful. It's third down and three. Dallas at the Pittsburgh 10. Roger back to throw. Has a man open in the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Drop. Dropped in the end zone. Jackie Smith all by himself. Oh, bless his heart. He's got to be the sickest man in America. My first Super Bowl memory is Raiders Redskins, thirty-eight to nine. I think was the final score, and Jack Squirrick got like an interception return for a yeah. touchdown. Yeah, I don't so that, know was, why, that was a year before this. Yeah, so that was yeah. Super Bowl eighteen. So that was a year before. I was I like five, yeah. but for some reason, I remember just that play. Huh. And then, and then of course, Bears Patriots and Refrigerator Perry and all mm-hmm. that. So, anyways, um, yeah, those are great. I recommend that. That's a great. That's a great recommendation. It is that you know I grew up a Packers fan, and so when I was growing up, the Packers were terrible. So there were no important games, basically. Except in Super my Bowl one and two, right? Yeah. So it was like, man, these. They, I mean, I always knew that. Of course, they had won those, but like Max McGee's, you know, juggling catch against the Chiefs in Super Bowl one, and like all of that. But again, when it's when it's presented to you in that way, it's like it's hard not to fall in love with the sport and mm-hmm. like with that stuff. And I do think it probably made me more interested in football than I ever would have been otherwise. That and football cards are really the reason why I paid attention to football growing up because I didn't really have follow a team. I had friends that were Cowboys fans and Broncos fans, and I didn't really follow anybody other than you know that. So anyway. Yeah. Um, we could do a whole podcast on those and i'm sure somebody is doing well, a whole podcast on those this week yeah and um, i mean and like mad mad props to steve stable you know and um i just said he i think was really the mastermind behind nfl films and and presenting the game in that in that manner and uh um, yeah you know like he, he's missed but he's sort of uh created a you know an, uh, a genre uh, mm-hmm. of art that uh, you know continues to to live and max mcgee is sort of the anti jackie smith right he's the guy who like <laughs> didn't have a career until super bowl one <laughs> hung over uh, yeah hung over as hell year old during super bowl one. Oh yeah god love max mcgee mm-hmm. you know what max mcgee's claim to fame is beyond that uh, Any ideas? Well, I mean, I know that he went to Tulane, so that's how I knew. Ah, you know, knew there you go. He then, was yeah. uh, he owned a handful of Chi Chi's restaurants. If you ever <laughs> went to a Chi Chi's Mexican restaurant, anyway, that got shut down because of a uh, E. coli oh, and right. green onion scare, I think. Anyway, so we we divert digress far. Yeah. Um, mine will be very quick. Um, Saturday Night Live this past week, Chris Stapleton was the musical guest, All right. and. I didn't watch it live, but flipped it on. I watched it last night, actually, and turned it on. I was like, who's that guy playing guitar? Mm. Like, oh, wait, that's Sturgill Simpson. Sturge. Um, so Sturgill Simpson sat in with Chris Stapleton on Saturday Night Live for the two songs that he did off of the last record, and it was great. Um, I, I will say, Sturgill's voice live is not my most favorite thing, um, but his guitar playing is fantastic. It so, is. It's hard to hard to not. Uh, I'm such a fan of jangly uh, jangly country Telecaster playing, and Sturgill does a good job of it. Mm. So props to him. Yeah, and I don't know. He just is. I, I can see where you might not be into his voice, but like he brings so much energy to it. It's just like it's hard to uh, hard to deny. And um, I would love to see those guys, like maybe stapleton and and uh sturgill and like jason isbell to go like do a tour together or maybe they you know uh sort of like what was the what was the the band that christopherson and cash and oh the highway the highwaymen yeah sort of like yeah. a highwayman deal or maybe they do their own sets but then they come together and play some songs uh yeah. that would be awesome 
Well, Take my money so- for that if you guys get it together. <laughs> okay, so we have a show to do this week. Um, and we are. this is the first of two shows where we're going to talk about... Um, I don't know if it's my favorite beverage, but it's right up there. We're going to talk about beer. Harvey. Yes, please. <laughs> um, and so... I have made the picks this week. Harvey will have has made the picks next week, and each selection we have made corresponds to a beer that we enjoy. And I realize that I'm sitting here in my studio, aka the closet, and um, my first pick is actually a beer that I actually have in my refrigerator right now, and it's sitting in my refrigerator, and I don't have one. So this, I, I'm I'm not uh, to quote from wrestling. I'm not living my gimmick. Um, <laughs> But uh, we'll go anyway. So basically, I've got four picks for tonight. And Harvey, I think you've got four for next week. Yep. And again, like I said, they all correspond with a beer. And the location of the show corresponds to where the brewery is, or as cl- the closest brewery possible. And um, <clears throat> I have chosen my favorite beer style. And I guess this I fall outside of the mainstream in 2018 when it comes to beer because I'm not a huge pale ale guy. I enjoy them once in a while, but I don't think of... it's just beer that you fall outside the mainstream on in 2018. <laughs> Probably. Um, but it, uh, pale you're, you're not, fine. you're not an IPA. Like you're not a hothead, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I like one, but uh-huh. I, I like something I can drink more than one of, but I also never really got into this arms race about IBUs and let's put as many different kinds of hops as we can in a beer and try to make it, a, you know, again, I, I enjoy one, but it's just not my favorite style. And so I'm, I like brown ales a lot and I like malty beers as a rule. Um, I love scotch ales too. And brown ales have been my favorite for a long time. Probably just, you know, I guess it's probably the, the latent, you know, when I was in college and somebody gave me a Newcastle and I was like, this is better than Bush Light. But um, maybe that stuck. But it's always been one of my favorites. And it's one of those things where there's a lot of different things you can do to a brown ale. You know, again, malty, they're usually low ABV, so you can drink a bunch of them if you need to. Um, I like the sweetness and the caramel in a lot of them. Um, and one of the beers that is my favorite that I'll talk about a little bit about is like, is one, is just one of my favorite beers period ever. So, um, so my first selection is actually in honor of Cigar City Brewery in Tampa, Florida, the Cigar City Maduro, which I just p- purchased six pack of when I was in, uh, in Nashville the other day. I don't know if and, I'm familiar with that, but I, I am, a, you know, and you'll see that I, you know, there were sort of opposite on the opposite scales here next week from my beer picks but um i'm a, i like the the cigar city uh high lie right it's mm-hmm. sort of the pale, yeah. but i'm not sure if i'm familiar with the uh, maduro yeah it's good it's easy to drink it's pretty caramelly um it's not as uh it's it's a, just a it's just a good drinking beer come you know it's i enjoy it a lot so do you get first, it do you get it in memphis do they you distribute? know i was yeah. thinking uh i may have actually bought it here at one point in time but i usually get it at the whole foods in nashville on the way back from the nashville airport <laughs> when uh-huh. we stop when we stop to eat um because whole foods not that they're sponsors or anything but whole foods is a great place to go if there's more than one of you and you all want different things to eat and you can all oh, go for, to the hot for dinner yeah huh. give presley pizza 
my wife can eat salad or whatever. I can get hot bar or soup. It's great. And then I can get beer on, to, on the way out. So it's great. Is there a, uh, uh, is there a, a like a frugal McDougal? Because that was, I stopped there uh, last week when I was in Nashville and I was quite impressed with their, uh, their beer selection. Frugal McDougal? Where's that? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> that was my response when somebody told me to check it out. And I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, all right, whatever. And then I walked in and it was like, uh, it was quite an impressive, I mean, it was a liquor store. But, um, oh, okay. So they had, you know, it was a pretty good liquor selection, but the beer was was quite quite impressive, the, the, the location I went to in Nashville. Anyway, the Whole Foods in Nashville again. Not that I'm there. I'm not a paid endorser. I will say we'll, that we'll take their endorsement if they want to give it to us. Sure, um, they do have a lot of regional beers. They have a bunch of the Nashville stuff, but then they also have a bunch of Asheville, North Carolina stuff there mm-hmm. too. So it's mm-hmm. a good pick, and that's where I've had bearded iris for the first time, which you'll be talking about next week. Mm-hmm. So first selection is the earliest selection. We'll go in chronological order, not necessarily in the order in which I like the beers. Uh, January 16th, 1993 from Tampa, Florida, the Ritz theater. And we'll get it started with chili water.
truly satisfied. Preacher man, he wouldn't say no prayers. Church bells didn't ring. Everybody stood up and stared. The choir girl jumped up and started to say goodbye.
That was Widespread Panic at the Ritz Theater in Tampa, Florida, January 16th, 1993. Chili Water into drums, into Henry Parsons Died, and back into Chili Water. And this selection, besides being great, um, and a really great jam, um, before they go head on into Henry Parsons, um, this is a historically significant selection, Harvey. This is the first time, it's not the first time Chili was split, but it's the first time Chili was split with a song in the middle. They had done Chili Drums Chili before, but this is the first time they put a song in the middle of it. And actually, I had this written down on my other pad, and I apologize for not having it, but they really didn't do that again until almost a year later, I think, Hmm. um, where they put another song in the middle of it again. So I think it might not be until early 94 or so when they stuck Please in it, and obviously then that becomes a thing, a staple, right? Um, Where Chili Please Chili becomes um, a pretty regular occurrence. So actually, sorry, it would have been later that year, in August of 93. Looks like the first time they they did Chili Please Chili. It's part of when they were on Horde Tour. So, anyways, but I'd love this selection a lot. I think it's a good, it's a good show and a one that I really hadn't listened to very much um, before before we decided on this as our topic for the night. Yeah, um, no, same. I hadn't listened to this much either, and this is a this is a really good segment. It's the end of the. It's a two set show. This is sort of the end of the second set, um, and the drums. I mean, it was just sort of a badass bass and drums you know uh, and i guess everyday companion doesn't generally label like bass and drums you know it's just a drums or it's i guess it's a jam but um this was this was pretty 
pretty cool. And um, it is, it's part of, you know, and this is not a, an era that I've done a ton of exploration in, like early 93, but um, we played back in episode 23, the college football preview, um, a segment from the Tallahassee show from like two nights after this, which is really, really good. And um, so that makes me kind of want to like dive in a little bit more into this, this January, this early 93 run when you've got, uh, you know, Jojo having been in the band for about a year and uh, they're starting to, you know, spread their legs a little bit. They've got the, um, you know, the everyday, I guess, recording sessions have been done. I'm not sure when the actual record was released. It was in 93, I think. So they, they've already gone to the studio and put all that stuff in the can and they're sort of, um, you know, I think it's a pretty good period of growth for them at this, you know, at this time. Yeah. The, the Sawani show 122 is a really good show. The Chattanooga show the next night's pretty good. Um, that New Orleans show, I think the closer of the tour from Tipitina's is one that's gotten around quite a bit in circulation. Then obviously, um, well, sort of previewing the next show, which is from Kalamazoo, Michigan. For some reason, Kalamazoo is a panic town hmm. for some reason. Um, but anyway, 221.93 at the state in Kalamazoo is great too. So yeah, there's there's some good stuff on this tour. Not a ton, and I don't know, not all the tapes are out there. Um, so there's a call to action for all of you out there sitting on your... Uh, low gen analogs on XL2S to uh, get those things transferred, um, and, and if they're still on debt, um, good luck <laughs> trying to make, trying to make something of them. Um, but anyway, we'll move on to my second selection for the night. Again, this is from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and I texted you earlier in the week, or earlier it is early last week, and I made made a claim <clears throat> that is pretty, uh, I, I threw it on a marker, I think, here. Mm. When I said that 1029.96 is the best show of the fall 96 tour. And you can argue 11.1 at Milwaukee's great, 10.14 in Monroe, which we've waxed rhapsodically about. Um, the Red Mile show, which you're partial to because you were there. I'm partial to the Barrymore shows. But this Kalamazoo show is just absurd. <laughs> For a lot of reasons, but mostly um, inserting a you know a north of ten minute diner in the middle of the first set, a stop go for the second song out, and then the selection that we're going to play here, which is the closing of the set, of the first set. Um, and obviously, choosing Kalamazoo, you might think, oh, you chose Bell's best brown ale. Well, Bell's best is 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 a good is a good brown ale, but this is in honor of. New Holland Cabin Fever, which is made just up the road from there up in Holland, Michigan. And um, New Holland makes great beers. Do you get New Holland in Lexington? We do, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, good stuff. We get it in Memphis now, too. And it, Cabin Fever doesn't – I've not seen it here. Um, I actually bought some at my in-laws when I was there for Thanksgiving because they don't drink beer. It was still in their fridge when I was there last weekend. <laughs> um, so I got to have one again. But – it is, um, the poet gets around a lot and some of their other beers, but Cabin Fever is a great beer. It's seasonal. It is about as dark and caramelly and rich and robust as a brown ale as I think I've had. Um, it's just it's a ton of malt and it's really sweet, but it's easy to drink. Um, if you, you know, put it into, pour it into a glass, it is also pretty opaque. Browns can be fairly, I wouldn't say they're transparent, but they, you know, they can, they're not, they're translucent. This one's pretty opaque. It is dark and 
it is super good. So, um, figure a beer, as much as I enjoyed Cabin Fever, is as good as a, a show should be as good. So, let's go to the State Theater, October 29th, 1996, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, right at the end of the first set. We'll get it started with Nobody's Fault But Mine.
October 29th, 1996, from Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, we heard the end of the first set, Nobody's Fault But Mine, Into Machine, Into Barstools, and um, Jeff threw down the uh, threw down the hammer there, uh, proclaiming it the, the best show of that tour, and uh, I think I'm going to have to revisit, because I've certainly listened to it before, but, um, and I do find it interesting, though, because I would argue that the next four nights were probably the best stretch of shows from this tour uh, and so maybe this has got to sort of like some adjacency and maybe this can be included and make it a five night run but um, yeah I mean it's I, you know I have no way to argue but the music that we just played was fantastic and um, I really dig the uh, we didn't include the, the diner um, which came right before this segment right um, but it was a cool kind of slow down jam and then they they kind of pick up the um, the nobody's fault um, theme but it slows down and then it's just like the way it like slams into nobody's fault which like it seems like usually when they do it it's kind of like a slow kind of groove or build up into the song but this one it seems like once they sort of stopped and then kicked into it, it was just like, it's all, it was like on at that point, JB started singing immediately. It was a pretty badass start. Yeah. I mean this, <clears throat> I didn't play it. The diner is great. I didn't play it because the next selection I chose a diner, but um, I mean, machine bar first set closer and just a lot of, <clears throat> this is at the start of a 29th, 30th, first second. So this is the start of a five night run, five nights in a row pre Halloween. Um, the next night in Cleveland's pretty good. Halloween's good, but Milwaukee's legendary. And we've talked about the Columbus show from 11 too. Um, but I think this one's might be better. And the, um, the second set, you know, a make sense opener and then B of D please sleeping man, a picking, just take a breath. And then ain't no use drums, airplane proving love chapter proving to close out the second set. So pretty good. Um, I mean, it, and then end of the show, Porch Encore, which you can't really argue with either. So great show, great show of the tour, and a very good beer. And a tip of the cap to the people of Michigan who put out some tremendous beers. Mm-hmm. New Holland, Bells, Dark Horse in Marshall, Michigan would make some great beers. They make a good brown ale. Bafo brown ale is a good one. Um, and then I'm sure there's others too. But um, Diabolical is uh, makes fun stuff and then there's some good ones up in other brew pubs and stuff too but um i'd, I'd like to make that as a uh, you know sort of like a, a beer road trip i feel like that would be a good good spot to hit a few different places um i was you know considering i i would say like all things being equal um bell's two hearted ale is is maybe my favorite beer like just like if it was like an island beer for me um like good balance, not super hoppy, but has really good flavor. And uh, but but you stole Kalamazoo from me, um, so oh, that's fine. I'll let you have it. And then uh, but then I'll also say this is uh, hop slam season. So uh, uh, yes, I actually had a is. I had a hop slam earlier tonight to to kick off my night, um, yeah, just because I knew we were having weird. You know, we're going to talk beer tonight. So you had such a rough day, you had to drink a ten percent ABV beer before you. <laughs> Jumped on before the dinner yeah right yeah um, harvey there's there's plenty of shows from kalamazoo um 
you know, hey, yeah, well, I, I just I know, but I didn't want to get. To, I wanted to diversify, which you know, you didn't want to step on any toes. Um, okay. And uh, also, uh, founders. That's another really good. Founders is a good day too. Michigan Grand Rapids. Too. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, all right. Well, we'll jump ahead to the third selection for the night, and we'll come back to the place I'm currently residing, and that is Memphis, Tennessee, and. <clears throat> We played a selection. We played some stuff from Mud Island before, um, but chose uh, the second night of the the two nights they did there in fall of 1998, uh, October 9th, October 10th. Um, so this is a selection from October 10th, and I had to choose a Memphis beer. There's a lot of good beer in Memphis. Um, the number of good breweries in the city proper: Wiseacre, Memphis Made, High Cotton. Bosco's Ghost River. Um, highly recommend if you ever come to Memphis to to do do tours. Wiseacre makes great beer and it's a good place to hang out. Memphis Made has a bunch of pinball machines and they did one of the most clutch things ever, which the owner told me is you know it's it's pure from. It would be like oh I just wanted people to make sure that they had something to eat, but it's ca- there's capitalism behind it. A popcorn machine. I mean. Free popcorn at a brew pub. I gotta tell you what, it's amazing for us, but it's amazing for them too because you get you get thirsty and you buy more beer. Just like um, they used to put peanuts out at the bar, right? I mean, that's the whole idea. Yeah, um, but there's a lot of good beer in Memphis right now. And then there's a relative newcomer to the scene called Meddlesome Brewery, and they make. I think I've had three of their flavors. The one they're most known for is 201 Hopler, which is their pale ale, which is a play on 201 Poplar is where the jail is. Um, in, in Memphis, so it's a play on that. Um, but they came out with a brown ale this past year called Broadhammer, which is a good beer, and I enjoy it. It's for terms of locals. Memphis Made makes a pretty good brown, as does High Cotton. Um, sorry, Wiseacre makes a good brown. They Neon Brown, which they did not can this year, which is disappointing. But, um, but I chose this one, and partially I really wanted to work in you know, some Memphis music. And so we're going to go the middle of the second set from 10, 10, 98. And we're going to get it kicked off with a enthusiastic diner. Oh, oh, oh. 
Thank you.
Okay, widespread panic at Mud Island Amphitheater, Memphis, Tennessee, October 10th, 1998, right before Drum's Diner into Hatfield. Um, every time I listen to these shows, uh, they're both great shows. The tapes sound awesome that night from, from, from those two nights. This version of Diner is tremendous. The Hatfield's really good, too. Um, I think we've, we've played some Diners. I played one last week with the... Um, one from uh, 2996 in Ogden. We could have played another one from, from many of them from, from, uh, from Sit and Ski. And is Diner maybe, I, I did never thought of this. Is Diner, is Diner the signature widespread panic song, Harvey? Um, I think there's, I think it's, I think it's in the conversation. I think Chili Water is probably the other one. See, the Chili uh, Chili was always my was the one I always point to. And, and then the the one that's a little bit different, but I think could maybe be in the conversation is Driving Song. I think those are if you're given if you're giving out one seeds in the tournament for Panic songs, <laughs> I think it's probably uh, it's probably Diner, Chili Water, Driving Song, and then uh, maybe Porch Song. Yes, those would be the four. I, those would be my number one consensus number ones I think diner I only say that because it's a diner because chili has a structure that stays very similar mm-hmm. even if you split it it's not a launch pad quite as much not, as diner no, is right diner now. is like you get the wrap I mean you get a wrap just like Hatfield you know you, you, you it has the sort of the front half of the song which is you know, like a tight rope. normal song yeah know, right? and then it goes other places and mm-hmm. Diner because I've been listening to a lot of them lately because of this of our project here um, they're all a little bit different the lengths are a little bit different you know Chili always is about nine and a half minutes right nine between nine and ten depending um, but Diner there's a lot more extension and creativity and improvisation going on there. So that's the only reason why I brought it up. I just feel, I feel like there's a lot more going on with that. And this Hatfield's a really good version too. And of course, looking at the dates of these, of these shows, it's like, why did they not play in Memphis in October, in October more <laughs> right. often? It's like, what? <laughs> did the band have this revelation? Like, Jesus, we should have been doing this all along. Well, no, the um, next year they go back to like late June. That's when they, they kick go off back to the, late June, and it was uh, miserable, dozen, right? Yeah, it's just you think they would have learned their lesson anyway. I, I was supposed to go to these shows. This is actually my birthday. Was this oh. the show? But um, I think it was. You know, I mean, I was still in college, and it was sort of middle of fall semester, and I think a, a, a six-hour road trip. Uh, for a show was when I, when I was already planning to go to go to New Orleans for two shows and mm-hmm. like they were in Louisville in November and um, so we had other opportunities but um, I definitely regret not getting down there to see see these shows in October I'm sure that was a nice time to be on the river yes be on the river and not die no. or get but, eaten alive by mosquitoes get eaten alive by mosquitoes yeah um well, moving on to our last selection of the night, and we're going to go head, head up the Mississippi River to St. Paul. And I chose us, um, had a couple of different things to choose from here, and we almost broke the seal, Harvey, because we almost, I, I, because I, I will be the first one to do this, as I know you won't. We almost played Herring Era Panic. Um, but... I, I, I knew, it was, knew it was going to be a tough we sell. Broke the sale. We broke the seal. Uh, no, we haven't broken the seal, have we? I thought we did, but we didn't. 
I thought no. we did, no? Okay. Ted played out formation with Jim. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Um, It'll happen. We're gonna, it's going to happen. In fact, I think... Maybe in a few weeks. We'll see. Maybe in a few weeks, because I have a selection that I'm going to lobby very strongly for, for our Valentine's Day episode. Um, but I pulled back, and so I have two beers to talk about for this show um, in St. Paul. One is an actual Twin Cities beer, Surly, um, which is one of those beers that became sort of a quest beer living in Wisconsin because they didn't sell it in Wisconsin for a long time. So it was always, if you had friends going to the Twin Cities, hey man, can you give me a couple four packs of, you know, of Bender? And, uh, and, uh, isn't there a thing, some, isn't there a thing with like Wisconsin beer where you guys don't distribute out and so then therefore people don't distribute in? Is it a- uh, New Glarus is the beer that famously is not distributed outside of Wisconsin. Okay, so it's just uh, it them. Be, that, I, I yeah. thought there was something like that. You know, there was it was a there's some kind of like you know block of breweries that were that were refusing to distribute outside the state, and then and then other people were taking exception to that and not distributing into the state. Maybe years ago, um, it would be foolish for other breweries not to distribute in Wisconsin because they drink a lot of beer. Than they Wisconsin. drink a lot of beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, New Glarus famously did not distribute outside of Wisconsin. They did. They used to distribute. They had a distributor in Chicago, and then when, I think it was when Anheuser Busch bought Goose Island, it all kind of fell apart, and then they pulled their beers out. So now you can just get New Glarus in Wisconsin, which is shame for everybody else. Right. But actually, some guys from Minnesota got nicked for driving across the border and buying barrels of Niglaris spotted cow and taking it back across to sell in a bar. Hmm. Um, they actually got arrested for it. Um, which reminded me of Smokey and the Bandit, which just made me laugh. But anyway, um, so I have two beers. One is Surly Coffee Bender, which is a brown ale, a coffee, coffee infused brown ale, which is a great beer. Um, it's not one you can drink a bunch of, but it is, it's a fantastic, especially this time of year. Um, a great cold weather beer and then the other one which has slowly become one of my favorite beers and it is from a small brewery called barley johns which is in new richmond wisconsin which is tucked way up in northwestern wisconsin close to the minnesota border which is why we almost played um herring era panic because uh jimmy jimmy and the boys played at somerset wisconsin at float right in 2014 they were supposed to play there in 99 but the show got canceled after the peoria show and um Barley John's makes some really good beers, but they make a wild rice brown ale called Wild Brunette, which I discovered last year. It might have been around before that, but I discovered it last year, and it is comes in uh, Tall Boys, four-packs. Four um, it's always one of my holiday purchases when we go back home. Um, it's a tremendous beer. They have great artwork on their cans, too, and I'm a real – I'm somebody that appreciates good graphic design when it comes to beers. I have not bought beer because i think their graphic design is bad agreed uh, <laughs> um it's like if you don't take your if you don't take your graphic design seriously i don't think you're going to take your beer seriously <laughs> and there's actually a brewery in wisconsin that i will not name whose artwork i hated forever and they completely changed it they made it crisp and cool and clean i finally bought their beer <laughs> this, this past december oh come on you gotta um, tell people what is it to is it the hopping frog people? Is there, that... No, that, that's in Ohio. Okay. Um, um, Three Sheeps, which is over in the eastern part of the state, and okay. I just did never like their their. They had good names for their beers, but I just did not like their their artwork. And they change it up, and they make a really great. It's an IPL. Hmm. Um, and it's got. Um, I think it's got. It's got wildflower honey, and it. it's really good. Um, anyway, so 
talked about beer a lot. Barley John's Wild Burnett, fantastic. Surly, all of their beers are great. Um, but Coffee Bender is one that I particularly like. And that one's distributed much more widely now. At least it's distributed in Wisconsin. But for a long time, that was the, the reason to go to the Twin Cities. Um, so we're going to play something from November 1st, 2001 at the Roy Wilkins Auditorium in St. Paul. Post drums, and we'll get it started with Can't Find My Way Home.
All right, widespread panic at the Roy Wilkins Civic Auditorium in St. Paul, Minnesota, November 1st, 2001. Uh, actually got it started with uh, the jam out of drums with schools and, and, and the guys on drums. Terrence Higgins from Dirty Dozen sits in. And then Mikey comes in, and uh, they do a nice little jam headed into Can't Find My Way Home, followed up by Climb to Safety. Um, this is a good show. I was at this show. Um, made, did made the trek from Indiana when I was in grad school to do the three around um, – the Halloween in Chicago and then the two after the St. Paul show and then the Madison show. Um, and it was nice to revisit this show because there were some, it's, you know, some, some songs at that time, which they were working out Bayou Lena. It was only the second Bayou Lena ever, um, old neighborhood, the second old neighborhood ever, which I know you probably, yeah, I think could tell you shivered when I said Bayou Lena, but old neighborhood is a really good song. Um, I enjoy I like Bayou Lena. I always thought that was fun. It was, uh, it was a good party song. I like New Blue a lot, too, from this era when that, when that was out and about. So, um, a Chili Please Chili to close out the first set. And then Dirty Dozen, um, this is, they were with, uh, w- w- um, uh, w- with Panic on this little uh, part of the tour, um, knocking around the zoo and superstition. Originally, I chose that for the, for the selection, but um, just not listening to it a couple of times, not the best dirty doesn't sit in ever and mm. i really love this post drums and again i think being there i mean the can't find my home is the thing that i remember about the show so i think it was uh, definitely made sense to play it yeah i think it was a good choice um i really i really just i don't know what it is about um songs <laughs> that generally appear in the encore when they come in a mid-set location it just like it holds a little more uh just a little more special when you mm-hmm. when you get that i don't know why it's the same song but and there's a reason it's an encore song because it's a good encore song but it's just um songs like you know can't find my way home and um, i don't know mr soul when those kind of songs come in and mid-sets it's always fun yeah i mean looking just looking real quick at the companion um you know, you got one ten twenty ninety six in the encore. I got one nine fifteen ninety seven in the middle of the second set, um, uh, from that AIM show, which I've talked about a lot. And then they played it mostly in encores until this one. Um, they actually first set six twenty four two thousand one, second set seven eleven two thousand. Yeah, it looks. Like, and then you know, like once into into the McConnell era, then they started playing it more often. Um, mid-set but uh, and actually didn't we play the can't find my way home from 624 2001 trouble driving can't find my way home driving i think we did the, <laughs> i think we did it's possible for our red rock shows but again it's like like i think you're right it is something it's like moving dream song into the middle of a set mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like it just makes you pay attention to it a little bit more um but then also playing it you know what they did on the traveling light tour at at Marcus in Milwaukee, like playing can't find my home in a shed seems like an odd choice, but um, didn't mind it, I guess. (laughs) So anyways, um, well, those are my four selections. Those are my, my uh, five beers. Again, we'll give a little shout out to the beers here at the close. Uh, Cigar city, Maduro, um, new Holland cabin fever and bells, Brown and dark horse, Bafo Brown tip of the cap to the folks in Minnesota. In Memphis, uh, we'll go with the Meddlesome Broadhammer from uh, 101098. We'll give it give that our pick, but also Neon Brown from Wiseacre. And if you're ever in Memphis, make sure you stop at the local brew pubs. They're a great scene, super fun, family-friendly. Most of them have board games. Good place to hang out. Um, 
which is really important when your kids get to a certain age and they're learning how to play board games. It ex- allows you to extend the visit even more. <laughs> um, and then uh, up in St. Paul, tons of great beer in Minnesota. Um, but we went with uh, Surly, the coffee bender, and then also Barley John's with the Wild Burnett. So um, those are my picks. Those are my beers. Those are my brown ales. And uh, we thank you all for, for joining us this week. Harvey, got any closing comments for everybody? Um, no, no, it was good. I hope everybody has a, uh, have a fun, uh, Super Bowl weekend and, um, yeah, enjoy the, uh, enjoy the beers. Let us know what your favorite beers are and, um, we'll be back, uh, next week with, uh, with my picks. I'm sure the music will be a little better. I know the beers are going to be better, but, um, not that this is a competition, Jeff, come on. Um, <laughs> So uh, anyway, find us on uh, on the website. Follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Um, I even saw Jeff like you've been uh, you've been like liking some tweets and stuff. I was, I was impressed. Yes, that didn't yes. see you actually interacting with people, like responding or anything. <laughs> just just little likes every once in a while. <laughs> but the 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 responses I have seen. Um, I went back and went back a month or so and looked at what people wrote. I really appreciate it. They made yeah. some good good comments. So yeah, I appreciate everybody uh, um, doing that. So yeah. Thank you. Keep them coming and uh, and emails too. Um, you can you can get us on the email machine through uh, through the website at bluestape dot com and um, and on Facebook. So be sure to to rate the rate the podcast and uh, share it with your friends so more people hear it and. Um, We'll be back uh, next week. Oh, uh, we've got, uh, I always forget, you know, that we, we play a song heading out. So this time I even like wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. Um, so this week, how about Nobody's Fault But Mine?
Let's fall.